You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We're coming in for you with a uh, quick little podcast this week, talking about some of the Arizona Cardinals uh, as we get closer and closer to the NFL season. We're seeing a lot more evidence of there being a season. We're also seeing some of the rookies coming on into camp, uh, some of them signing contracts, and we're here to talk about it for this week. Uh, my name is Blake Murphy. You can find me on Twitter, at BlakeMurphy7, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, the venerable John Venerable, a.k.a. Johnny Touchdown on Twitter. Uh, John, we're about to jump into this. It feels like that this is probably the closest we've got to football being back than we've felt for probably uh, the last couple of months, it seems like. Feels good, Blake. Uh, thank you for joining us on this. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Uh, and yeah, things are starting to look up. You know, there's some uncertainty, I'm sure, wherever you're, you're opting to listen surrounding high school athletics, high school football, which hits near and dear to my heart. My father was a longtime high school football coach. He's an athletic director now. And then as well on the collegiate level, we've seen the state of California opt to move football at the high school level all the way to the spring. We don't really know what the Power Five conferences are going to do in terms of football in the coming months. But we do know one thing, Blake. The NFL is hell-bent. They're trying to get the season up and running. I commend them for those uh, of you who are on Twitter, like Blake and I are. There's a lot of people out there that... I don't know if they're seemingly rooting for the season not to happen, but it sure feels like they're putting the NFL in a category with Major League Baseball and the NBA, and I would caution against that. Roger Goodell is not as um, as dumb as he may appear to a lot of the media nationally. He's had six months to work on this plan. Things like, Blake, you mentioned, seem to be coming together day by day, and we're here to break down all the news specific to how it could affect our Arizona Cardinals. The biggest news of the week was uh, when you saw on Twitter a lot of the players uh, put out a very similar statement to a lot of the MLB players, basically a we want to play type of campaign, essentially putting some pressure on the owners to be able to make sure that they could uh, get a deal done. Uh, again, the reason why all of this even comes up and is an issue is uh, simply just to be able to avoid lawsuits, culpability. You don't want to have a spot where the season starts and a player ends up coming down with coronavirus who you know just signed a huge giant deal suddenly they're not able to collect on it because there wasn't you know proper testing or something that was unsafe put in place the league doesn't want that the players don't want that uh, it's not as necessarily a goal like you said john of people who don't want to see football it's been more of a caution of are we going to be able to see in a high contact close contact sport are we going to be able to see uh, players be able to come in and not have to uh, necessarily worry about hey you know I come in here you have six or seven people I take it and bring it home to kids or to other family members uh, I think that at least there was a huge step that seemed to be bridged over with this week where the NFL 
um, essentially agreed in some of the cases to some of the player terms in that regard, which was kind of the biggest question as we saw with, like you said, John, in comparing to Major League Baseball, it felt like it was miles apart. Eventually a deal got done after pushing things back several times to the point of a shortened season. Uh, I haven't had as much, I think, uh, as far as for worry. It's been more of just kind of a I guess you can say general concern. Most of the time, whenever this has come up in the past, we've always seen it with CBA negotiations, and something always was struck at the 11th hour. We saw that in 2011, even with a shortened season. We saw that again when the CBA was coming up this year. Uh, what I think was interesting, at least, was that you saw a couple concessions where the NFL essentially offered the NFLPA to play zero preseason games. Uh, and I think it was uh, George Atala on Twitter basically put in some of the more precise versions of that. He said uh, the NFL didn't offer or give up preseason games. They already had the right to set those or not under the CBA. So essentially it comes down to the owners looking at this and saying, hey, we're, we're probably not going to have many fans in the stands, if any, which is where most of the preseason revenue would come from. And the second one, at least, as far as with health and safety issues, it was less a concession and more implementing protocols together. I think that's, John, is the biggest difference between the MLB and the NFL is that there is a much better functional relationship to work together on those points, whereas in the MLB, it felt like there was a lot of pushing or negotiating. And so in that case, it does feel like we're in a much better place to eventually being able to get some sort of resolution without necessarily having to push the schedule back before the season begins. Uh, and obviously with COVID and how that works, we'll obviously have to see what it will turn out after training camp starts, after the season starts, but at least for right now, it seems like it's good news and a step toward having football on a level where with all that's up in the air right now with high school and even collegiate athletics, John, it does feel like that there is at least a sense of normalcy that the NFL may be able to bring. Yeah, I definitely think that they're going to start the season on time. We've been given no indication. Listen, we're in the second of what is probably the biggest spike that we've had since the start of the pandemic, and the NFL is trying to opt as business as usual. We remember back during the peak of free agency in the, in the draft, there were clamors about you need to prevent or, excuse me, you need to postpone, postpone, cancel. The NFL just said, no, we're going to try it. We're going to do our things our way. We're going to make it safe. And by all accounts, those two events went off without a hitch. Now, that's much different than, than conducting the actual season. But like you mentioned, Blake, if they've limited it to minimal fans or no fans, if there's consistent daily testing, which by all accounts, I believe I read that if it gets under 5%, um, that they'll do daily or every other day testing or every three days, something to that effect. So they're going to have consistent testing um, at the highest level throughout the duration of the season. The NFL has billions of dollars of revenue. Um, I think I saw the other day um, a blurb about a Division three program, just to put it into context, a small Division three high school pro or college program, if they wanted to implement testing at a level in which it was necessary to be able to play, it would cost them upwards of $250,000 to $300,000. That's chump change to the NFL, and they have uh, it at a much larger scale. Uh, I just I think that we're going to have opening weekend, and then we're just really going to play it by ear, Blake. They put in contingencies with the bye weeks. They've got built-in um, uh, weeks on the back end to be able to extend the season if they need to. The biggest concern, of course, is we start the season, let's say we're four weeks in roughly, and then there's a significant spike, and we have to have a stoppage of play. When does it pick back up again? How does that work? What does that look like? Is it 
is it even able to resume play? I think that that's the biggest question other than when are we going to start the season? Are we going to be able to compensate players if they test positive? What does the guarantees look like? So I I would not be worried at all about the season starting on time. I would just be worried about if there are an uptick in cases during the season, let's say mid-October, and they have to stop. What does that look like for resume of play? Um, but that's a question for another day. Right now, Blake, we've got training camp to look forward to. The contingencies that they've put up are some of the travel rules uh, per Dan Graziano of ESPN. No use of public or private transportation in or to other cities. No leaving the hotel to go to public restaurants. No room visits by anyone outside of the traveling party. No use of shared hotel facilities such as a pool, a gym, etc. While they're traveling, they're requiring masks, uh, which I think is probably at least a good idea at this point. We're seeing a lot of that function in the NBA. Uh, Buses at no more than 50% capacity, so they'll be trying to social distance on the bus, which will be interesting to see how that will work. At least one open seat between passengers on the plane. Now, what I think is interesting about all of these areas, John, is that the NBA did just come back with uh, a lot of their protocols, and they've essentially, within this NBA bubble, have had uh, zero positive coronavirus tests. Uh, Like you said, with the NFL, with it being uh, their official setup that they agreed on was two weeks straight of daily testing. Essentially, anyone who comes in, they're kind of trying to create a sort of NFL bubble in that regard, and then kind of trusting players to, you know, not have to do the uh, dumb decisions. And it'll be interesting to see how that will work. We have seen evidence that if people are able to adhere to each of those aspects, that we don't see as much of a risk of coronavirus. And even if there are positive tests, we don't see it at least spread uh, when you have some of these uh, things in place, which that's where the number of people in the NFL, despite the fact that it's a huge league, a huge organization, it's still limited. You still have, you know, your uh, 53-man roster overall, at least, with the coaching staff and the other people on game day. There's not going to be as many fans. Uh, it'll be interesting to see as far as when you get back. that We know the Texans and Chiefs, when they had their, uh, I believe it was uh, voluntary workouts, did have a few tests that were asymptomatic overall. I think the biggest thing, John, overall is if the NFL can go in and can follow some of those different steps and procedures, and uh, some of the complaint was that they had a lot of time to be able to set up some of these things. It does look like now that the fact that the NFL is kind of maybe not conceded so much as just been able to work on stuff in a very, very quick manner. It just seems to indicate that we don't know what will happen during the season, but it was pretty much set all along what things were going to look like in the off season for the league as far as coming to training camp. The biggest thing that's left over for the most part, at this point it just seems to be, what's the money situation going to look like? Because the players are going to want to get paid their contracts, the owner is going to make sure that they want to get their revenue and if there is offset due to you know if there's like you said suspended games games are moved back if things end up getting worse for the most part and how the salary cap will look in future years as far as if they're going to have to stagger you know some of the losses that they're having from a lack of fans over the next few years that's something i think that there still is to work out the good news for the most part overall is by all accounts it seems that a lot of those items are things that the nfl seems confident they can almost iron out later if they have to. Right now, the whole goal is trying to get back to football as safe as possible to make sure that there's nothing in the way of being able to go about and conduct training camp as best as possible. Uh, and in that regard, we'll see how it shakes out, but it does not seem like that there's going to be uh, an interruption or delayed or players standing out, which at least at this point, John, that's a huge win for the league. Yeah, and I think the biggest difference between this and let's say what's going on with the MLB and to a lesser extent the NBA is that was a fight over ticket revenue. 
The NFL, yes, they bring in a lot of fans. The majority of their revenue comes from TV advertising contracts, the right to, to broadcast the games. Think about it. They're the only sport that has major TV contracts with all four major cable operators, local cable operators, that being NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox. That's where their bread and butter is. Sure, they'll take it on the teeth a little bit, but goodness, think about how many more eyes they're going to have than they usually wouldn't have, and they already get a ton of people that watch these games this coming fall during you know the fact that most everybody's going to be inside their homes on Sunday mornings, on Monday nights, you know, on Thursday nights, they're going to be able to take advantage of that. And so I think it's just, it's much easier to, you know, we put the health and safety protocols to a side for a second. It's easier to figure out a lot of these financial implications because they know that that money's coming in, Blake. They don't have to calculate X amount of 162 game season and we don't have any fans. What's, where's that money coming from? Well, the NFL knows. It's, it's, a t- it's a TV program. I would argue the TV product is even better. I know you guys love to tailgate and, and love your Red Sea atmosphere, and that's great. But the TV product is, is where the best experience is, and I think that they will absolutely be the benefactor of that in a season in which, Blake, they're, they're really, the attendance is going to be sparse, to say the least. Yeah, right now it seems as though that even I believe the Giants and the Jets released statements saying that they're probably not going to have any fans at all in their stadium. I know a lot of Cardinals fans are waiting to be able to find out for uh, sure whether or not their season ticket money is going to be, you know, whether it's refunded, whether it's applied, how that's going to work. Um, It'll be interesting to see, but for the most part, John, it does seem as though the biggest core thing, like you said, is making sure that you have 16 games played because if you don't have that then that's where essentially the future years of the nfl rely on each of those aspects the fact that the nfl for right now at least still has uh, the functionality of being able to use their salary cap from the previous year as applied to this year that's another difference from major league baseball major league baseball has to account for things in their current year whereas the nfl at least is given enough flexibility Speaking as far as for with accounting for, uh, one of the things that we've seen uh, that's happened in droves over the last few days has been a lot of players are starting to be signed to contracts now that we have a better situation of the money uh, and now that we're also seeing players coming into facilities so a lot of times as we've talked about the since the cba was passed in 2011 and since there's been very few changes that we've seen with the last cba Uh, Players are essentially slotted into contracts as far as rookie deals. Gone are the days of $50 guaranteed to Sam Bradford. Uh, We're not seeing any of those types of deals that you'll have. Uh, The Cardinals at least have agreed to terms with two players. They've agreed to terms with first-rounder Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker-slash-safety-slash-do-it-all player. A four-year deal worth $20 million guaranteed, 20.66 to be precise, $12 million signing bonus. Those signing bonuses usually are applied right away. The best way you can look at it is that's the money that the player is going to be able to get up front before you can negotiate for a new deal. Uh, Once you kind of reach the end of those type of deals, that's where you start to see some players hold out difference of course being is just how much money you'll pay right up front in terms of how much dead money you'll have if you trade or cut a player Uh, really we have not seen anything like these sort of signing bonuses take place outside of the recent history of josh rosen when he received his signing bonus the cardinals did have to take on a dead cap amount in that regard when they traded him to the miami dolphins 
but overall this is also going to be as far as a first round pick has that fifth year option that can be applied um, sometimes if a player turns out to be a superstar caliber or a franchise quarterback uh, we've seen similar deals that have happened with the Kansas City Chiefs where essentially they guaranteed that fifth year option and then extended the player on top of that uh, kind of getting f as many years on a cheap deal as you can before having to pay the big bucks the Cardinals have also agreed to terms with uh, third round player Josh Jones to a four-year deal again there's no fifth year option that are applied to each of those um, looking at the last year's pick this is pick 72 uh, that was Jermaine Pratt in 2019 it was a four-year four million dollar contract uh, you're looking at a signing bonus of 1.05 million guaranteed and it's about a million dollars a year so when you're talking about and we've had we've had these conversations before about hitting on draft picks that are inexpensive. You're talking about not just the quarterback rookie deal for Kyler Murray. You're talking about Josh Jones at a million dollars a year for the next four years. If he can turn into a starting caliber player for you, there's a tremendous opportunity the Cardinals have to be able to pay players in the interim, kind of go for it in that terms of a rookie window. And like you said, John, it's not just about hitting on one draft. It's about trying to stack multiple drafts in a row, applying a lot of talent that is then going to be paid in the next couple of years versus being paid all at the same time. Uh, so what are your thoughts, at least on some of these signings? It's interesting that these two were the ones that were applied first. My guess is throughout the rest of the week, we'll probably see more of these deals trickle out. And uh, Cardinals fans who watch a lot of the AZ Cardinals content or some of those videos know there's going to be some special pens that Michael Bidwell will hand out to the Cardinals draft picks as well. It's something we anticipate every year at this point. Yeah, I think, Blake, you've hit the nail on the head. The Cardinals really need to do a better job prioritizing their draft classes from a positional value. So we talk about the ascension of hopefully a Josh Jones as a third-round developmental tackle. Think about if they hit on him, what that does from a cap standpoint, that you don't have to go out and overpay for free agents like we saw them not do this offseason. They've been relatively smart about that. And then Isaiah Simmons. Goodness, how much money in draft capital have they spent on off-ball linebackers in the past five years alone? First-round picks, free agents, whatever. So if you're able to hit on any of these players that they prioritize this year, especially if you look at those two defensive tackles in the fourth round, that's a relatively weak, if not the weakest position unit for this team uh, heading into 2020. It just does so many things to elevate your roster. You know, outside of Simmons, who, yes, was the eighth overall pick, and he's got, I think, 20 million at least coming his way over the course of four years. The Cardinals aren't strap cap with any of their draft picks. They, of course, didn't have a second round pick because they shipped it along with David Johnson's contract for you know DeAndre Hopkins. Happily, they would do that 10 times over, and they're going to pay DeAndre upwards of $18-plus million per season. But you know to be able to do things like that and have a top-heavy roster like they currently have, and you want to extend the Buda Bakers, and you, you know, eventually want to extend the Kyler Murrays, maybe you want to extend Kenyon Drake, you have to be able to hit on these draft picks. Blake mentioned just developmental players. Not everybody's going to be a star. You just hope at the end of the day, Blake, everybody makes the team. They can have a year in your strength and conditioning program. They can have a year of being able to go through the necessary practices and procedures through you know, off-season conditioning workout, things like that. Yes, and that's one of the things that I can, uh, I think if we need to be able to measure as Arizona Cardinals fans is with how much money that they have spent on the position, uh, it's desperately needed for the Cardinals to be able to actually hit. If they do end up missing, let's say that Isaiah Simmons turns out to be 
um, similar of a path to a Dale Buchanan or a Hassan Reddick. It's going to be not just disappointing, but you're going to be talking about all of those years of capital and you're still having to essentially resolve the position. So this is a very important deal for Arizona Cardinals fans, I think, to look at um, just due to the fact that if you're talking about having to try to get the team over the top, finding a playmaker, being able to essentially not just stop the run, but being able to do things that guard the tight end, uh, this is a crucial contract to be able to sign. You're paying him uh, essentially top 10 draft pick money. It's not a lot compared to what players normally get. Your hope is that you can see Simmons blossom to pay him um, a huge contract and that he could become one of the better um, linebacker slash do-it-all players in the National Football League. He's been called Unicorn. We'll have to see if he can live up to that title. Yeah, I'm excited, Blake, about you know the potential of having a player like Isaiah Simmons on a five, potential five-year rookie deal. Of course, the first round picks have the fifth-year option that the teams opt to pick up, or in Hassan Reddick's case, opt not to pick up, but that's a story for another day. But you know, Isaiah Simmons is somebody that we project, Blake, will have, you know, at his peak power, somebody between 80 and 90 tackles, hoping between seven and nine sacks, a handful of interceptions and forced fumbles. I mean, you're going to have to pay a premium to him at some point, assuming it pans out. And trust me, Michael Bidwell will will gladly write that check when that time comes. But to have him on a contract that's incredibly modest over the course of the next four years, let's say that he does get his fifth year option picked up and you're you know, C.J. Mosley, I think, is the highest paid inside linebacker in all of football and makes somewhere between 15 and $17 million per season. So if you project out, the, the franchise tag is the height of whatever the average is for that position. You're probably going to pay Isaiah Simmons $20 million plus an additional 17 so $37 million over five years for somebody that you think can be the captain of your defense. And eventually, he's going to take the baton, we hope, like from the Chandler Joneses, from the Patrick Petersons, and be the height of the face of that defense in the early to prime years of Kyler Murray's years as the Arizona Cardinals starting quarterback. So, you know, this is just one step in that direction, Blake, and one that I'm really excited to see get done. Because let's face it, as it, as it regard goes for Jones or Simmons or any of these other rookies, we got to get these players in the building and, and rocking and rolling because the season kicks off in roughly six weeks. Which is good, although the uh, like we said, with the lack of preseason, with the questions about with how the training camps will look, it's going to be interesting to see how the next few uh, weeks fall out. I expect more Cardinals to be signed. Uh, we'll kind of wrap it up just looking at the Josh Jones deal. And then we talked a bit about his importance previously, but uh, the fact of the matter is at least uh, the Cardinals are hoping that this is not one of those coin flips where sometimes a guy will fall on draft day. Sometimes you'll end up finding out why he fell on draft day. A good example, at least I can think of that would be uh, Hakeem Butler in 2019. Obviously the jury is still out on him, uh, but when he came into camp, it was not as impressive as the most part as far as he still had a lot of work to do ended up seeming more like a project than many people even some excellent evaluators were looking at the time um, the Ho Cardinals are hoping that this is more of the opposite where you're seeing a player who fell for seemingly no reason right to them they're hoping that the scheme fit from Dana Holgerson's uh, scheme at Houston's able to work and if you can be able to find a starting caliber tackle um, at a cheap cost for the most part your goal obviously is to get them to that second contract uh, like we saw with a DJ Humphreys uh, I think that really comes down to the fact that if the Cardinals are able to improve their team enough for Kyler Murray 
you're hoping that you can see this kind of pattern and trend that we've seen successful teams adopt to, which is you get a guy on a rookie quarterback contract, you surround them with talent by playing a lot, paying a lot of the other players, and then when you look at the likes of Deshaun Watson, essentially you want your quarterback then to be able to carry your team and carry your offense when you're not able to sign maybe a you know DeAndre Hopkins or Amari Cooper to a giant mega deal. Um, and that's what I think that you're hoping for is that the Cardinals are able to add in a lot of talent. You're able to see with Kansas City, they've got guys like Chris Jones who has just signed to a deal. You know, he's uh, he almost went full LeBron of like not four, not five as far as for number of rings. But that ultimately is the goal of trying to be able to have sustainable success, which is something that the Cardinals have not had. And, John, I think a lot of it, like we said, starts with two places. It starts with having a young quarterback versus an aging one like a Carson Palmer or Kurt Warner even going back to the days of the Boomer Esiason. And then it starts with protecting said quarterback and nailing these offensive line picks. Yeah, Jones is going to be such an interesting prospect to watch just because of the fact that most everyone we follow and respect Blake had a top, at least a top 40 grade on him. And now you see him fall inexplicably to pick 72. Not only the value that the Cardinals get from a just getting somebody with a first round grade in the third round, but just the financial benefit as well. Let's say that, you know, Josh Jones doesn't become anything more than a, a swing tackle. That would be disappointing, but at the same time, you're only going to pay him what equates to less than a swing tackle salary in free agency. His contract, I think, for this year, I don't have the totals of his contract, Blake, but I know this year his cap hit is going to be just under. $900,000. And so if you project that out over the course of four years, he gets an annual bump. His, his contract's going to be under $5 million at the least. And so you get, the, you get the best value if he becomes a standout, all-star, Pro Bowl caliber player, and you get him on the cheap for three or four years. Worst case scenario, you're able just to either maybe you opt to kick him inside. Maybe you're able to move him down the line if you're able to, to swing a trade and you know, just the financial obligations of the first round pick just dwarf the rest of the draft. And, you know, left or right tackle right now, I think really there, there's, there's, there's a comparison to be made that there's so many quality pass rushers in the NFL. You have to have capable tackles on both sides. We saw that last year when Justin Murray was exposed, you know, a little bit too often. And, and so I, I just think that if you're able to hit on a tackle regardless of left or right side in the later rounds and, and not have to pay upwards of 20 to 25 million in guarantees, you're in a really good place, Blake. All right. Well, that'll basically wrap it up for this edition of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, what's next? We've got training camp is coming up. Uh, it's going to look very different. Obviously, the uh, start to training camp is going to have physicals, but a lot of coronavirus testing for the first five or six days or so. I'm going to see at least it sounds like two tests. So the Cardinals are supposed to report on July 28th. Uh, it means essentially they'll be tested for COVID then and then tested on August 1st before even really getting into the rest of the building for the strength and conditioning tests. Uh, I'll be going on probably about day 12, and then they'll start ramping up at least it seems like on days 18, 19, and 20. So a much longer acclimation period, taking account of two weeks to be able to bring down uh, the positive tests that will uh, certainly come in as much as possible. So it's going to be a very different uh, training camp. Like we said, John, there's going to be also limited media access, it seems like, as well. We don't know what that will look like or will be upcoming, but whatever information we'll get, we'll make sure that we can pass it along to you guys. Uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, you can find more content will be upcoming. I'll be breaking down some more of the top plays of the Cardinals rookie picks uh, as far as on our path to training camp. Uh, and you can find those on me on Twitter at Blake Murphy 7. Uh, John, where can our listeners find you and your content as well? Huh? 
I'm on, uh, of course, revengeofthebirds.com and here as always on the ROTV podcast. But then, of course, on Twitter at Johnny Touchdown Blake.